What's up, guys? Welcome to WCBC Podcast. My name's Hunter. My name is Alan. And I'm Josh. <laughs> Dramatic pause. I like it. I like it. Alan's switching it up. For we'll mix it up a little bit. Well, I mean, to be honest, I think this is our last episode before next year. Yeah, because this will come out on the 24th. Fourth. 31st. The 31st will be, so literally the day of New Year's will be our last episode. That's crazy. We should pull an all-nighter. Oh, my. Probably, I don't know about that. <laughs> we just sit here at midnight. Three, two, two one. the WCB. It's January 1st. We're, I don't know about that. That would be a... Uh, That'd be a long night, and I don't know how I don't know how Haley would feel about that. Yeah, if I had to tell her, "Hey, I'm not gonna be with you on New Year's. I'm gonna be uh, doing a podcast," and then I throw in for the Lord, yeah. Haley, and then, <laughs> but you know, but that'll be cool. But this is our second to last episode of this year. Um, so thanks for switching it up, Alan. How y'all doing? Doing great. Good. Good. Well, we're uh, super excited to be here with you guys this week. Um, we were hoping Pastor Jason was going to join us today, but he couldn't. So. Um, we're going to bring what we got and all of our study. Hopefully he'll be ju- joining us soon. Uh, I think one of our episodes we might do towards this next year will be about the history of the church. And I believe he's going to come join us for that one. I know for sure. So we're looking forward to that. But, uh, this week we're talking about the necessity of the virgin birth. Um, if that was, that might be the title. I- I'm not for sure yet. Um, my title game's getting a little weak. I've got to get better at my titles for our podcast. Uh, maybe we'll, Get some suggestions. We just need to start brainstorming. We got enough brain power in here, as we were told before we started. And now we've got Grant, too. So, Grant, Grant, you want to say hey to everybody? Howdy. Howdy. Grant is 21 years old now. He's a grown man, so we're excited uh, that Grant's with us as well. So, um, I don't have, like, an intro or a question or anything. I mean, well, really, Merry Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> And a good topic that we're talking about, the virgin birth. I mean, it's one of the bedrocks of uh, our faith, and uh, I'm excited to spend a little time just discussing it and all the things that God made happen Yeah, that as humans, he let us see. And, uh, you know, we talk a lot about the struggles that we have with the flesh and our finite understanding and the little bit that we know about what God done through the virgin birth blows my mind. Yeah. And that's where, you know, um, I think it, the last, so this year when I've been hunting, there's been times where I pulled out my binoculars, right? Now I have my little face mask on because it's cold. And as I'm looking through them, I start breathing and the lens really start fogging up and I can't see anything sometimes. It's not clear at all. And I feel like that verse where it's looking through a glass darkly, I feel like that's how I feel sometimes. Like when I'm hunting and my lens fogs up because I'm trying to understand God creator i'm trying to understand his his son christ and sometimes i'm looking at it and i'm just like dude i'm not seeing the whole picture but it's just like you said uh we're finite we're very limited because of the sinful effect on our lives um and i'm just thankful that every now and then god will let my light bulb come on yeah and i yes. can fully understand at least one or two things um it's even like today i've studied Hebrew, we'll be in Hebrews a lot today. Well, I will. Um, and I was reading it through it today, and I was in Hebrews 5, and it talked about how Christ is the source of salvation for those who obey. And I was like, oh, that's a topic right there. I've read Hebrews 5 before, 
And to be able to read it today and then a light bulb comes on and I'll learn something new about Christ through a new text that I've really never noticed before, even though I've read it. Um, you know, that's where like the Holy Spirit illuminates, bring things to light. So I'm just thankful that I can have some aha moments um, through this life and be able to learn just a little bit uh, to the brinking point. Um, and then, you know, one day when I get to be of Christ, all things will be made. I, you know, there won't be a question of how things work or what needs to happen. It'll be good enough just to be in his presence. And so um, we do want to encourage everybody. Um, you know, we've we've got a lot going on here at the church, um, watching chapel specifically. We've started a noonday service. We've got a lot of Bible studies and things going on. Um, so we're super excited. Um, and right now, you know, COVID is running amongst in different places. It's high in some. It's low in some. Um, but, you know, our, our pastor this last Wednesday noon service preached a great message for some of our elderly and some people who can't come to a normal service because of the crowds. Um, just talking about, you know, your worship is not based off your attendance. Your worship is based off your heart. And he's saying, you know, if you have to worship at home right now, do it. Actually take advantage of reading daily, praying daily. Make sure your heart's right with God because that's what it's about. And then when the time comes that you can be with the body, take advantage of it. Excuse me. And so um, I think that's worth encouraging to say, make sure, I mean, especially this time of year we talked about last last week, that you're taking advantage of your worship time. And he preached a great message last night about yes. worship, taking time to praise the Lord. Um, so I'm excited, guys. Y'all ready to kick this off? Yeah, we just one more thing about uh, our, our church and, and attendance. We want to encourage you. Uh, you know, there are folks who uh, are gripped with fear and, and um, maybe they can't, you know, socially get out yeah uh if if you're letting things hold you back like sanitation we're doing an uh, excellent job between services uh cleaner and it, uh, encouraging folks if they don't feel well stay home uh it's 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 not a uh like hunter's already said your 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 sanctification your holiness and all of this is not based on your church attendance it's based on your relationship with god so uh, we want to encourage you to focus on that and uh we will also encourage you the fact that uh, we're, we're keeping our church clean and sanitized and doing our best to keep everybody safe. Yeah. And I, I thought about this today, actually, and this kind of, man, this is a side note. I thought about this today, and I'm thinking about it right now. I mean, it's just really on my heart. Um, when it comes to the scriptures of the Bible, it's something that has to be spiritually understood and spiritually discerned. And being able to be at a church um, that studies a lot, you know, we have a great opportunity to learn. But in the process of learning, if I don't have the Spirit of the Lord within me, I will never truly understand the true meaning of the text. And so for our listeners out there, um, I don't know where you're from. I don't know what church you go to. I, I don't know what doctrines you stand on. But I do want to say this. we When we do this podcast... We don't practice. We don't. A lot of times we just come together and we've all been studying a subject and we bring a lot of ideas together. But I want to say this. For us to be able to fully understand the topics we're discussing and the applications of it and the depth of it, we have an evidence within us that we have been saved by Christ. And we have a unity um, as Alan kind of meshed his fingers together, while we're... it bears witness. Yeah, I mean, and that's that's one thing that hopefully uh, it comes across to our listeners. 
that as you listen and uh, you're, you're paying attention to the points that are being made and, and, and maybe it's inspiring to you, hopefully that spirit that bears witness amongst us in this room yeah. uh, can also bear witness in your heart that it's true. And that's where, you know, obviously we don't, we talk about our church here, but we don't go in depth. And, you know, when we start studying the history of the church, you know, we'll get into Reformation, denomination, all these things. And I don't know where everybody stands, but I just think that's just something that's really been on my heart lately is if we were not of the true faith of Jesus Christ, we would not be able to explain these scriptures and probably come to the same conclusions that a lot of you have come to, whether you, whatever denomination, whatever church you go to. And I think that's just an evidence is that when the people of faith can come together and understand the Bible and study the Bible, whether they have differences in some places or not, it's just an evidence of true salvation that I can even read this and understand a virgin birth and what had to happen. And I'm going to say this, and I'll be quiet. It is past time that God's people put their bickering and their differences aside over opinion and over things that really don't have any uh, eternal or everlasting implication and start agreeing upon the the, the task that's set before us. Absolutely. And that's being a, a peculiar people yeah. and being a light in a dark world because boy, they need some light right now. Absolutely. And I, I think it's just a necessity and just being able to study. And I mean, me and Josh, um, we've been talking a lot about the history of church and starting back before the Reformation took place with the, the Catholicism. And then you find out Lutheran and, Anglican and all of these things and we've just been able to discuss differences and things that took place and all this stuff and I, I mean I, it's just worth reiterating what Alan said um, you know if you believe that Jesus is God's son and he is the only salvation that humanity could ever have and you'll profess you will believe and you will live by faith that is what salvation is described as in the Bible. Amen. And so I just think it's worth saying that the three of us have definitely experienced that because if, and Grant too, he's in there, in here, but the three of us have experienced that because if we had not, then we would be like three rambling guys in here. We wouldn't understand anything we're talking about, but we've all been seasoned by the Spirit and gifted by the Spirit and taught by the Spirit that we can come in here and we can have discussions um, as we're going to have today. And so I, I just pray that that will encourage you um, to reflect of if you're of that same faith to understand scriptures and how you view it. And if you are, um, how, how do you view things? How, how do you lean on things? Because if the Bible gives evidence that something is true, such as spiritual thing, godly things have to be spiritually discerned, and that is a truth, and you have people that can spiritually discern a truth in the Bible, then you can't argue with the faith that they have because that's not your place. So um, as we get into this, I hope everybody remembers that this is not of us. We've studied this, and the Spirit of God has just taught us and brought us to some scriptures and some topics that we've really been pressed to talk about. Um, and, you know, I, I'm, I'm very young, and sometimes I'm very timid, but I feel like there's sometimes in my life where an opportunity comes to stand and be bold. And I'm bold in everything we just said. Um, this is not of us. This is led by the Spirit. If the Spirit did not dwell within us, we wouldn't even be in this room tonight. We'd be lost and undone and who, who knows where. And so um, there's that. So we're going to talk about the necessity of the virgin birth. 
And so we have a lot of notes. Uh, we've got a lot of places. Um, I feel like there's somewhat of an order to how we're wanting to kind of go through this. But at the same time, we also had a good conversation that we may not make it through everything today. Just because, you know, we try to talk for an hour and we could talk for an hour on just the name Emmanuel, God yeah. with us. Yeah. And so yeah. we're going to try. I, go ahead, Alan. When you look at When you look at the topic that we're talking about, the virgin birth, and the 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 power that God Almighty demonstrated through that act of uh, uh, moving upon a, a virgin girl named Mary and, and using her as the vessel for Emmanuel, God with us, to, yeah. to, to make His way into yeah. this world for fleshly people to see and interact with. Man, alive! It's mind-boggling. I don't. I'm like you. I don't. If we get it done in an hour, good, but uh, I don't think we ought to push the pace and cut it short. No. And I think it needs to be done justice. Yeah. No, I mean, a- absolutely. Um, and that's where, let's see, I think it would be best that we probably need to start with kind of the story of what took place. Um, now, some of you guys might be familiar, maybe not. There's a section in your Bibles in Matthew chapter 1 called genealogy. And if you're like me, when I was 16, I usually skipped over that part because I just saw a lot of names I didn't know and I couldn't pronounce. Um, I'm glad that I can come back to that now and understand it. So we'll we'll have to discuss that. That's yeah. a necessity. But uh, if it's all right with you guys, I'm going to read Luke 1, 26 through 38, which is the Annunciation of Jesus' birth from Mary's perspective. Yeah, perception. So, and this is the ESV version. I brought this today just because I'll be reading a lot, and I hope it's easier for everybody to kind of understand. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man. Betrothed means engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and he came to her and said, "Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you." But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end." Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? Verse 35. The angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who will who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. And so when you look at this story, which I was able to actually go over this with our youth uh, this last Wednesday, you have the story of the birth of Christ from Mary's perspective. Um, I think I said perception earlier, I meant perspective. Um, now, in Matthew, you're going to read how uh, Mary was born, was pregnant with a child from the Spirit, and then you read it from Joseph's perspective, and how um, you know he was going to quietly divorce her, and then all of a sudden the angel appear, appeared to him in a dream, telling him not to fear, and giving him everything that he needed to do. 
So, I, I guess before we really dive in, we kind of need to discuss our characters, which this will probably lead us, lead us to some genealogy discussions. But when it comes to Joseph and Mary, I'll kind of set the question, and we can go around the table and talk about this for a few minutes. Why was it important for Joseph and Mary to be in the situation they were in? Who wants to kick us off? <laughs> Do you want me to kick us off? Go ahead. Okay, sweet. I was kind of hoping. So, when you look at... Let's talk about Mary. So, today I was asked the question, why was it important that Mary would be Jesus' mother? Now, obviously we know that Mary was faithful and she loved God because the angel referred to her as O favored one. So she was favored by God. And when you study out the Bible, um, God has sovereignty over humanity, period. Um, He lets the rain rain on the good and the bad, the just and the unjust. So we have to understand that there are going to be things in this life, especially when it comes to his son, that he's going to orchestrate and he is going to use his sovereign power to make happen. Now, God, and you can't argue with this, it wasn't that Mary just was like a statistic or a percentage and it just happened, it was her. Mary was chosen by God, chosen by God, oh favored one, that this would happen to her. So, when the angel appears to her as well, you know, she kind of asks the question, I'm a virgin, we'll get to that. But the other important thing, okay, so Mary's faithful, she's chosen by the Lord to do this. The other thing is this, is that when you get into Luke chapter 3, Luke chapter 3, and you study out the genealogy of Mary, what happens is that you learn that Mary comes from the line of David. Um, Let me find it right here. There's a lot of names right here. In the line of the lineage, it says the son of David, the son of Jesse, the son of Obed, the son of Boaz, the son of Salah, and it keeps going on until you get back to uh, verse 38 where it says the son of Adam, the son of God. So it was prophesied and predicted as we read that when it says Christ would take his father David's throne, that's just saying that it was a part of prophecy because you got to think like David played a huge role in Jewish tradition because he was the anointed chosen king by God. So for a prophecy and these words to be used that he would take his throne, that's a big deal to Jewish culture because they love David. And so, but it's also important because Jesus had to reign from the lineage of David. So it's important why it was Mary because of the first two things I mentioned, but because she came from that line of David. Now, guys, when we look at this genealogy that, you know, she came from that line of David, what comes to your guys' minds when you hear that phrase? So you you can look back to, to Abraham and Isaac and the promise that was given to him when he he showed and demonstrated his faith uh, when he took him up on the mountain and yeah. you know he, uh, Sarah was you know stricken in years and and uh, God promised him that he's going to have a son and that the, the, there were going to be his people a great nation so here uh, Abraham and Isaac are going up on the mountain and Abraham's about to 
about to sacrifice him. And I'm thinking, man, where's the where's the rest of the nation going to come from if, yeah. if it's my only son? And that promise that God made to him uh, was was carried right on down through. And and to me, it's that promise of God's God's people. Yeah. And I know the the nation of Israel is special to God, but but God's people as a whole, including. Uh, us, the Gentiles, and the, the church as a whole. Uh, I think that uh, David and, and Mary going back into that lineage is just a another sign of the fact that, you know what, it's all a part of God's word from the beginning, from the design, and from the foundations of the earth, all of it falling right into place. Absolutely. And, I mean, that key word Alan mentioned about her being the vessel. I mean, she was a chosen vessel, and she played a huge part. Josh, what are you thinking? <clears throat> Excuse me. The um, the 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 thing that sticks out is just that it is chosen. It was determined by God from the beginning. There was going to be the line of the lineage that followed through. All of it is ultimately all of it is the sovereignty and God's will. Yeah. And and we see that in the perfection of it as it plays out. I mean, the one thing that um, when Matthew's account of it, when it speaks of it, it speaks of that the virgin birth in one eighteen. Um, I'll just read it real quick. Go ahead. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on the wise, this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, mm-hmm. was minded to put her away privily. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in dreams, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not, take unto thee, Mary thy wife, which is conceived in her, is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and that shall name be called Jesus, and he shall save his people from their sins. But the, the thing is, is that like in Matthew's account of it, we see how, how significant it was that when Joseph heard of it he even questioned yeah and he wanted to put her away yeah and the the thing was is that it would have been a place of public humiliation mm-hmm. it would have been a thing but then when the angel came to him and says that you know this it's, this is of god yeah. this is of the holy ghost that that conception that part of it like i says i mean w- with that virgin she was she was flawless she has not been touched by man there was nobody there. And then the, by being conceived by the Holy Ghost, which brings in the whole aspect of the God as the Father. Which, I mean, that's, and that's the beauty of it to me, is the, the, the obedience even from Joseph. Because I, I'm often I look at it and I read this story, and, and it says that he was a just man. And, and just, just the thought of yeah. that situation to where you hear of it. Yes. And what's gonna you know what is this? I you mean, know? put yourself in Joseph's shoes. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's what. Yeah, you just nailed it. That's yeah. that's what I was. Yeah. If if you're looking at your girlfriend, yeah, and you know, in your reality that nothing's went on. Yes. And now you're made aware that she's pregnant. I mean, any man is going to have thoughts. Any yeah. man is going to be wondering, and the fact that. The angel appeared to him and reassured him Yeah, that, you know what, this is all a part yes. of the plan of God, Joseph. You, you don't need to be afraid. You don't need to be worried about what the public's going to think. You don't need to be worried about uh, uh, what's going to happen. You just need to be 
aware of the fact that God's doing something special. Yeah. And he's doing something special uh, uh, through your fiance, your your soon-to-be wife, and the child that she's carrying. Yeah, and he had to have faith. Yeah. And, and in the same type faith we have to have. Exactly. Because, I mean, that's one of the things that comes up. This is a story that will come up to you, for, especially from non-believers, people you're witnessing to, saying, well, how could it be of a virgin? I know how, ch- I know how children are born. How could she be a virgin and have... But then, you know, the thing about it is we got to keep in mind that this is God we're speaking yeah. of. Yeah. And God spoke the world into existence. So... You know, you go back to Genesis. When he created, he spoke it into existence. Yep. It's it's a lot bigger than we can mentally, you know, wrap our head. And that's where our faith comes in. Absolutely. The, the, the Word of God says that he put the child, she conceived of the Holy Spirit. That was God's doing. So you go back to the faith, and that's an awesome point that you brought out, the, the faith that Joseph had. And uh, along this same time frame, you can look at Elizabeth and uh, Zacharias, John the Baptist. Parents, yes, and when that pregnancy was coming about, there was some things. Well, but she's she's up in age, yeah. yeah. And the angel appeared into Zacharias and told him, "said Hey, you're going to have a child." Yeah. And where was his faith? That yeah. He's like, how's he doubts? He's like, how can this be? And the yeah. angel, said, I'm yeah, Gabriel. At, he looked at her and he's yeah. like, that ain't happening. <laughs> <laughs> you seen her? <laughs> But the angel said, uh, "You know what? You're going to be stricken dumb. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. because of your because of the fact that you you're doubting your question and and the the faith is not present. Yeah, uh, he couldn't speak. Yeah, he you want to talk so much? Here, let me take it away. Yeah, so that way yeah. you can't. Big boy, be quiet for a little bit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, and I mean, you guys have really opened the door um, for the virgin birth, and we might as well just go ahead and I mean, let's just jump into it. So when you look at 34. And it says, and Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I'm a virgin? Typical question. She had it. Um, we all have that question when we think of, well, how could this possibly happen? And I, I really spent a lot of time on this when I had to cover this with our youth group. And it says, the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Now, Josh has already brought it up when you go back to creation. Um, so when you look at creation, you know, and it said he formed man out of the ground and he breathed in him the breath of life. Your Greek and Hebrew definition of that term and of the word soul is breath of life. That's what a soul is that we all have. It's breath of life. And when you read the scripture and it literally says God gave Adam breath of life, sure enough, that's where our souls come from. Um, now, when sin falls on our souls, where it's either our soul is going to be redeemed or it's going to be cursed forever. Now, when you look at when it says that the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, one, creation. God formed a man out of dirt. Yes. So how could Mary, a virgin, have a baby? God formed a man out of dirt. Second thing, God made a woman out of a rib. Yes. So we really can't question, in a sense, the virgin birth. And we have to be careful because if we do too much... We're starting to question the authority of God. Absolutely. And his power and his sovereignty and how he spoke creation into existence. Now, when you look at it, it says the Holy Spirit will come upon you. 
Now, John chapter 3, I mean, Jesus paints the picture of what the Holy Spirit's going to look like. And that picture is this, we can't see it. <laughs> I mean, what a picture. You can't, and we can't, it says it goes to and fro. So when people are born in the Spirit, we can't see what's going on. Just It refers to it as the wind. The definition of Spirit, it has the word wind. Or, you know, we heard Pastor Jason a few weeks ago preach the sermon, and he talked about the mulberry trees. You know, the army, they were sitting still, and when the wind blew through the mulberry trees is when they were supposed to go. It's a great picture of the Spirit. When the Spirit shows up, we can't see it coming, but we feel its presence. And now, at that point in time, we knew. So, the Holy Spirit didn't just a form or like show up in a body or like God stepped down from heaven like Greek mythology teaches. You know, the gods would come down and just find women and do whatever and go back. No, that's not how it happened. So, the Spirit will come upon you. So, the presence of God was going to come upon her in spirit form. Now, it says that the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Great picture of Trinity, the Trinity. That the Spirit and God and Jesus Christ are one. Now, Jesus is going to be born... But when you look at this for the Holy Spirit and God, surely if the Spirit is present, but it's going to use the power of the Most High, that teaches us that it is the Spirit of God. Because God's power is going to be demonstrated through what the Spirit is getting ready to do. Now that word overshadow, which a great picture that our pastor talks about, is you know when you look at uh, in the Old Testament and stuff, the cloud that would appear an overshadow. That's the picture we get is in a sense that the spirit of the Lord is going to uh, hover, almost cast a shadow over Mary. Now we don't know. A lot of people portray and study out that it was during the night when she was asleep, or it was during a time of her resting that the spirit of the Lord. Don't specifically know, or I don't specifically know, um, but I just know this: that when the power of the Lord appears, something's getting ready to happen, and it's what He wants to happen. Right. So when we think of how could a virgin have a baby, and we all know how babies are born, you know, you have an egg, a man has a sperm, you know, things come together, babies are made, and you're like, well, how could? We can't think naturally. Right. We've got to think as best as we can outside of a human way. To God's way. And it goes back to our introduction where our brain has to come out of its fleshly, you know, mode of operation. And you can't think of yeah. this as a normal birth because it's not. No. Yeah. It never has been. And it, it, no matter how you want to dissect it or define it or research it or try to explain it, flesh and bone cannot explain the virgin birth. Absolutely. And that's just it. You have to have faith before you can ever truly jump into this topic. And when the power of the Lord overshadowed her, she became pregnant and her nine months started. started right. And so now you might be thinking, well, Hunter, I know what you're saying, but like human, you know, for a baby to be born, an embryo has to be formed and all of the, don't think of it in a human way. Can't. Right. It's, you not, ha- it's not, it's not human. And it's, that I think Josh, what was that definition you read earlier when we were talking? Um, it's, uh, in, in Matthew one twenty, the word conceived is actually, uh, there's a Greek, uh, G one zero eight zero. Basically it means to regenerate, to, to, to be, got, um, be born, bring forth. And that's exactly what it's talking about. Yep. And it, I think when you read it too, you use that word figuratively. Yeah, it's which, figuratively to regenerate. And so when you see that word figuratively, not literally, that takes it outside that human yep. thinking process. And now we can understand that when the power of the Lord overshadowed her, that baby was formed. Yep. Now I wasn't there. 
God didn't whisper in my ear and tell me specifically everything that took place. I don't have to know because I just know God put Christ through the power of the Spirit in her womb. And another thing you might be thinking is, well, I just, I don't know. Okay, here's another thing. What's it say? Uh, Elizabeth in her old age had also conceived a son in the sixth month with her who was called barren. She couldn't have a baby. Yeah, you're done. It's closed. Nothing could happen. (laughs) And then what's the following verse? For nothing will be impossible with God. So virgin birth is not impossible with God. And a woman who cannot have a baby and God opens her and lets her have children. Not the first woman in the Bible. Not the first woman in history. We've heard stories through this church of people we've prayed for, and God will bless them. Nothing is pos- is impossible with God. And so that's where the faith has to come into play. When you look at the shadowing uh, of the Spirit and the power of the Most High falling upon Mary, that's all that needed to happen for Christ to be in her womb. And, and I just love that because you have a, a, a terrific supernatural story. But as we talked about last week, this was not an ordinary baby. This was not an ordinary man that was ge- that was getting ready to step up onto the earth. And when you study out um, the the genealogy and you figure out that he was from the line of David, there's a lot of things now that are pointing that this is the Messiah. And when you when you look at the not just not just biblical history, but in our history, and and, and even the things since I've been around and, and studying and learning mm-hmm. uh, you, you 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 look at people that think they're smart and, and and they've they've got it all together and and some people are i mean some people are educated and can quote scripture and can expound on it but it amazes me that god takes the simple things to confound mm-hmm. the wise yeah. yeah and when you take something like childbirth where people are like, <laughs> i've got that figured out i know how that works yeah god can take that simple concept and confound confound every mind that ever reads it or ever looks at it or ever studies it and absolutely mm-hmm. blow their mind to pieces. Yeah. And I mean, that's, that's what he does. Nothing's impossible for him. Yeah. So now when you get to the point of Jesus has been born and it's a supernatural birth, it's of God, it's been prophesied. We covered prophecy really well in our last episode. Um, if you have questions about that, you should go listen to it. We covered Isaiah 7, Isaiah 9, um, Genesis 2. We, we talked about a lot of things. Uh, so now that we have understand how, how that Jesus was born and what took place, um, we have to talk about this, the deity of Christ, because... Joseph had nothing to do with... Now, he played a huge part, but the birth that was going to take place, Mary being the vessel, Christ coming through her, he was just, in a sense, like a foster dad, in a sense. I mean, that that was not his true son, but he identified as his earthly father. So now it comes into the point where we really have to talk about deity and how Christ can be 100% God, but 100% man. Um, and we could spend a lot of time, and, and we might here in a minute, I don't know what this is going to open up. But I think it's worth saying this, is that for a lot of people out there, this is a, a really hard topic to try to get a grisp, grip on, is the deity of Christ. Actually, you know, from the apostles onward, um, really the biggest problem I, th- I believe that you read about is 
you know, Jewish people trying to rob Christ of his deity because we've all read that verse where it talked about all the things Jesus did, and then it said, yet they had doubt, and they said, is this not the son of Joseph? Right. And then that's where he goes in, that a prophet's not welcome in his hometown. So, I mean, the Jews obviously have tried to rob Christ of his deity till up until this day, people will not recognize Jesus as Messiah. I even remember that I watched a, a great debate in a biblical topic between John MacArthur and Ben Shapiro. You know, Ben Shapiro is a professing Jew, Jew but when they got to the issue of Christ, they had two separate views. MacArthur's like, this is the Son of God, and Shapiro had that classical view of he was just a good man, maybe prophet. a prophet, a priest. Yep. But when you study out the early church, the biggest thing, I mean, Gnosticism started coming around, but when you see a liberal move of science, philosophy, things that start raising up, that's really when the questions of deity started coming around because people could not understand how Jesus could be 100% God but 100% man. And... I think it's safe to say that the reason those issues probably came up was because of people living in belief. Because as we talked earlier, you can't understand nor have faith because these things have to be spiritually discerned and spiritually understood. So the enemy had his hand in that 100%. Oh, yes. Robbing Christ of his deity. Now, we're, you know, we're here we are in 2020 and nobody has a perfect answer of the deity. But what we can do is we can look at the scriptures and you'll never, I mean, you really never find a place where Jesus says this little phrase, I am God. Now, he does say, I am he. He says, I and the Father are one. Um, he says many things. Uh, the scripture says that only God can forgive sins, but Jesus looks at a man and says, your sins are forgiven. So there's enough evidence in the Bible where we can see that Jesus is God. But we also have to understand that Jesus had to fulfill his role as the son, right? Right. Because of tons of time, he refers to God as the Father. He's teaching an obedience that even as the Son, he says, you know, let this cup pass, but ultimately your will yeah, be the done. Will. Yes. So he recognizes the Father in obedience and reverence towards the Father. And like I said, while he may not say a literal phrase of, I am God, he does say enough that we can look at the text and study it out that he was God. I mean... Uh, I remember our pastor preached a message once, and it was called Tell Us Plainly. And it's where the Jews looked at him and said, If you are God, tell us plainly. And he's basically like, I have. And if I were to tell you now, you're still not going to believe. He is God in flesh. That is his deity. Now, Jesus being 100% God and 100% man was the only way that everything could happen the way it has. Because he had to be man to take on the sacrifice and to be a true mediator, which we'll talk about mediator, and that'll probably take the rest of the segment. But he also had to be God to be sinless. Because if Joseph would have had anything to do with the conception and the birth of Jesus, then he would have just been a normal man. Exactly Just like everyone else. Exactly right. And all he could have done was what all the other priests and prophets and everybody, they would have just talked about God and preached God. And there's nothing wrong with that. But at some point, we had to have an innocent lamb, the son of the Messiah, the savior of the world, appear so that way he could take away the sins of the people. So I wrote down some just some different characteristics and attributes, and there's tons of them. I mean, so many of them. Uh, But like for his God side, here's some words I started thinking of. Sinless. 
It said that he endured all sins. He knew everything, but he never sinned. Satan takes him out into uh, uh, takes him out in the wilderness and tempts him. He never fell. He you know he never he he was sinless because he was a hundred percent God. Right. He could look at sin and say, "I want nothing to do with that." I'm saying no. Okay. Uh, perfect. Perfect. Fall of sinless. Jesus was perfect. Because he didn't sin, but he was also perfect in every decision he made while he was on earth. And a lot of people will be like, well, you know, what about him flipping tables? He was perfect in that essence. He had a righteous singer. When, you know, when you study out, I believe it's in a, uh, it's either Ephesians or Galatians, when it talks about having a righteous anger, that's just being angry at things that God gets angry at. Jesus had righteous anger in that moment, and he was angry and he did not sin. Right. He never understood sin. He was perfect in his decisions and in his life. He had power. Jesus could forgive people of their sins. He could heal them. He could cast out demons. And I'm telling you enough, it should be a testimony in itself that the demons fell at his feet and worshipped yeah. him as the Son of God. That should be enough for this world. Yeah, they addressed him as soon as he came into the presence of them. Yep. And, uh, I, I, Immediately they, they acknowledged who he was. No, Tom. Yep. I mean, they were just like... And at one point in the New Testament, uh, I think it's the sons of Siva, they were like, Paul we know. You know, we know. Yeah. Jesus we, we know, know, but we don't you? know you. <laughs> right? But that's just enough to say that they knew who Christ was, and yep. he wasn't even present in the scene right then. Right. It was just the sons of Siva. But demons themselves acknowledge God. That's a testimony in itself that the world should look at and understand that there's something different about him. So he had power, uh, holiness. He was always holy. Um, you know, what robs us of holiness? Sin. Therefore, there's another thing. He never encountered sin. And another thing is you think of in this day and age, when we worship, we bask in the Lord's holiness and so we fall on our knees, we become emotional, we become excited. Is that not the same way that people treated Christ when he was on earth? Yeah. When they'd fall before him, or they'd cry out, or they'd beg him to come heal somebody? Or, you know, I think about um, one of the men that needed healing. He said, I know you can heal me if you will. Yeah. I mean, so they're, they're falling before him. Um, you know, when he's on the back of a donkey riding in and they take the leaves, they're worshiping him. It's the same aspect. He had holiness and they basked in his holiness. You know, when you talk about God's holiness, you can back up one, one point to the uh, power that he has. And I think that adds to uh, God and his attributes of being holy because the Bible says that he has the power to lay his life down, but he also has the power to take it back up again. Yes, pick it and back up. How holy is that? No other entity no other person no other being yeah has ever been able to do that other yeah. than jesus christ and i don't know if it's one of josh's favorite texts but me and josh we always used to talk about john chapter one when we first oh, really yes. started getting in the bible yeah in the beginning was the word the word, the word was with, with god song. and then you get down to verse 14 it said the word, the word became, became flesh so th <laughs> yes there's another instance christ of holiness <laughs> because he would be so considered and yeah. so predestined to do everything that he would do as the Son of God that he would exist before he became a human. Yeah. And I think a lot of people get tripped up on how could Jesus exist, but he was a born and then he existed after. Don't get tripped up on such things. Yeah. Because I'm telling you, the faith that we have to have in, in order to be saved, that's the most important thing. Now, as we grow in sanctification, we'll understand hard things like mm. that, about how he was the image of the invisible God, or you know when he appeared on the mount to Moses and Elijah, and Peter and them saw him in his trans 
disfigured form. Yep. That's a hint of what he probably looked like before he was ever born as a human baby. Um, there's a lot of text. Josh, you were getting ready to say something. Go ahead. Um, it was going back to the power. Um, this the centurion, when he came to him, you know, and he's like, I'm a man of power too. Yeah. And just speak the word. And they but, do I mean, it. That was, yes. You know, and, and, and like I said, the, with the power of it, there's numerous accounts all throughout the, uh, we read in the gospel message of the power that Christ had here on earth. But it's more than when just his, or it was what here, it was that spiritual too. Because when like they came to him, like, you know, the ladies like, just let me touch, you know, just the hem of his garment, you know? And, and the, the thing was, is that even with, with Legion, when he approached him, you know, he says, who are you? And our time has not yet come spare us of this, you know? It, the power was very much here on earth, but as well as the spiritual form, yeah. within, and the power too of of addressing sin, but in forgiveness. You know, which is where we see, you know, the, like the lady that was accused of adultery, or you know, what they said to her, John and, chapter eight. Yep. Yeah, he says, you know, where's your where's your accuser at? And he says, nor do I. You yeah. know, and I mean, the one that could. Is is there? It's him. Yeah, the one that could accuse. That's a picture of intercession. Which yes. I, we only got like fifteen minutes left, so we'll get intercession. Will definitely come up. But and I think about the text where Jesus looks at the paralyzed man and he says, "Your your sins are forgiven." And then the Pharisees are like, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa!" So, only God can. He's like, well, "What's easier, me to tell this man to give up or tell him his sins are forgiven?" And then right after that, he says. After he told him his sins were forgiven, he's like, well, go ahead and just get up and walk yeah, off. Take he your, did both. Take, take your bed, will you? Power. <laughs> power. In, in the name of... And I'm just saying this. The biggest evidence of power is God taking a wretched sinner. Yes. A person bound for hell and changing their life 180 so they start running in a different direction. And I think we were challenged. It was either last night or yesterday morning about... You know, our pastor shared that he was saved at 10... But, you know, he got to a point in his life uh, where God was like, will you follow me, right? Now, a lot of people are like, well, yeah, when God saves us, that's when he's wanting us to follow him. Yeah, but you can be saved and be disobedient. He said, just to quote him, he was preaching a message in the pulpit when God spoke that to him. Yes. Mm -hmm. Will you follow me? Well, what am I doing? Yeah. I'm in the the middle of following you right now. I mean, I'm kind of busy. Because God knows his heart. Yes. And I think that's that's just a uh, awesome reality of the relationship that a Christian has with Abba, yes, Father, and the power He has to just speak to Him in that moment and know the yes. very intent of our hearts yes. and our you know our will and, and and the things that we want to keep control of and we want yes. to keep in our possession yeah. and not relinquish to God. Yes, and He knows all those things without us telling Him. Yes. And I mean, and then he asked the question, he was just like, has there been a point in your life where you specifically remember God saying, will you follow me? And I thought, man, I mean, and I started just reflecting on how good he's been to me. I mean, I'm coming out of high school, I'm getting ready to graduate, and I've got a sports scholarship for track and field to Milligan University. I've got a a girlfriend that I loved at the time. Um, I had my life planned out. But I also was living in a backslidden state because I was saved at the age of um, 12. And I remember everything specifically. I remember everything that happened when God revealed to me that I was truly lost. Um, I had to write, actually, I have the date in one of my Bibles because I kept forgetting 
the day and the specific date, and you might hear that and be like, oh, how can you forget that? And I'm like, no, 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 no. The date and the day didn't matter to me. What mattered was that night I was born again. That's right. And it's funny because actually, I think it's two Sundays ago, we did the song that they, they used to sing in the old church. It was on a Monday, somebody, and you stand up on what day that you were saved. And I was sitting there, and dude, I've been, I've do every time I'm in the moment, I'm like, now it was a Monday or Tuesday. And I sit up on Tuesday, and then at the house last night, I was sitting with Haley, and I opened up my Bible, and it said Monday. And I thought, oh, Lord. I said, so I was like, next time we sing that song, Ty's going to be like, boy, he's been standing up on a lot today. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But but, but I just remember uh, that when I, when I was getting ready, after I graduated, I had my scholarship and everything ready to go. And I went to a Christian camp, and God got a hold of me in my, black, uh, my backslidden state and convicted the dog and I mean, in me. And all of a sudden, I come back from this camp and my 180. I didn't want to go to Milligan. I didn't want to do anything collegiate-wise sports. I just wanted to do ministry. And that's the power of God. Only the influence of a holy, divine God could influence that with no one else being involved. Now, other religions... Like when you study Buddhism and stuff like that, you know, people will go on these spiritual enlightenments, but it usually takes a persuasive invitation to join something like that. And that's the thing that I love about God is God can minister to someone with no one else being involved. And that's the that, that, that power though, what you were just speaking about that of that follow me is this same thing is so when somebody does make that decision to truly follow Christ. Yeah. You mentioned early in the podcast about Joseph and the Jews. We're saying, well, is this not Joseph's son? Yeah. And we'll see that same thing. Is this, are you not the same? Yeah. Yes. Physically looking at me, yes. Yeah. I am the same. I don't look, but spiritually speaking, no. Totally different. Totally different. That is dead, now new in Christ. And that's the thing. We can look at him, physically looking at him. It's like, yeah, that's that's the same guy. I know him. I know his parents. I know his cousins, brothers. But you'll never know that. And that's the one thing when they when they, when a person is sinful in their state of sin comes to the understanding of where they are apart from Christ and truly turn their life to Him, power. To follow Him is yes, spiritual power. Welcome, welcome to the hand of God touching you. And what scares me is though, you know. Um, a lot of people hear the message of the gospel and hear about the power and they reject it. Yes. Um, and there's a lot of things we get into that, but I think we've got like 10 minutes left, but, um, so we've talked about some, Oh, another, um, thing I wrote down was judgment. Um, I know that, you know, I think it's John three seventeen. He said, I did not come in to condemn the world. Um, but it talked about that through him, the world would be saved. And, you know, when Christ returns, um, one of these good days, uh, he will be the judger of souls. I mean, that's what it talked about, that um, God allowed one to cast judgment, and the Bible teaches that. He's, it's referring to Christ. Um, the earth will be his footstool, and he'll judge everyone according to whether they're a sheep or a goat, as the Bible, whether they're lost or saved, and you know what, what their lives have consisted of. But I also think about that term of judgment. You know, when Christ is on earth and he's talking to the Pharisees and he senses unbelief in them without them saying anything because he perceives their thoughts and their hearts. And he's sitting there and trying to talk to them and he knows that 
they're not going to listen. Or, you know, when he says, uh, well, do you, uh, Jerusalem, how many times, you know, and he talks about the, the curses and the judgment that's going to come upon people of unbelief. He has all power in the world and his deity to cast judgment and do whatever he wants to in his right mind. Because, you know, we, you know, I've been on this thing lately of what is truth. Um, we can't understand truth 100% because we're flawed by sin, right? Yeah. But Christ was not flawed by sin. So he could view truth in an innocent, holy manner. And so if he sees something and says, judgment needs to come upon that, that's righteous. I mean, some something's wrong. There's a lot of sin going on. Something is causing him to look upon something and cast a righteous judgment. That's righteous judgment. That's perfect explanation because it's 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 perfectly just. And, and here's the deal: I've never been caught at anything that my spirit didn't tell me I was wrong. Yeah. You know, when I'm wrong, I know I'm wrong, and I can deny it, and, and, and that's the thing with today. Nobody's ever wrong. Right. And if you do fi- find somebody, you've got them cornered, you can't get them to admit to they're wrong. I think if they just lie about it long enough, it'll go away, it'll go away or somebody will believe me, and the majority of the people will take my side. And, and you know what? You may lie to me and convince me and pull the wool over my eyes and make me believe a lie, but there's one person you will not lie to. That's right. But we talked about that earlier today, even, as a matter he, of fact, with, it, with Ezekiel, yeah. with the hole on the wall. And he says, you know, God can't see us here where yeah. they were hidden. Yeah. You know, he knows. He knows. And that, he knows. And we can. And we can easily deceive man. And when he pronounces judgment, we'll know we deserve it. Yep. We'll know it. No, there won't be no question. There's like, no question. Uh, yeah, there no will question. not be that question of like, are you? No. As soon as we see him in his glory and we yep. stand before him instantly, yep. it's it's known. I can't remember which character out of the Old Testament was, and you guys might, um, man, I just remember that the prophet appeared to him and told him what was getting ready to happen, cast judgment on him, and he said, if this is what God sees fit, let it be so. And I cannot think of who it is. Hopefully I can come back next week. I've talked about it in here before, um, but that's exactly what he said. He's like, if this is what God sees fit, let it be so. And eventually he died, and I cannot remember who it was. Um, Josh and Grant have their phones out, so hopefully they'll... We'll see if we pull it. But, um, and then the last thing I wrote about his deity as God was sacrifice. Um, because he was 100% God, it made him fully eligible to be a perfect, sinless sacrifice. Um, and that's like the biggest thing we'll probably talk about when we, you know, obviously we'll have to continue um, this segment in the next week. But when we get into Hebrews, that's going to be a huge um, thing we talk about is the sacrifice that Christ provided. Now, when you look at how he was 100% God, we've also got to look at the other side of the line of this little chart of truth. Is he was 100% man because he came from Mary. So therefore, all the human characteristics and things that a human could have was on him and passed to him. Now, obviously with Jesus, um, what I love is one of the texts in Hebrews, and I believe in 10, in 10 that he literally said, you know, you've prepared a body for me. So he knew what was going to happen. Um, and so when he took on all the characteristics and human attributes from his mother, um, and he was introduced to sin, if he would have been 100% man, he probably would have fell into that sin. But because he was 100% God, he said, no. I'm not going to do that. But he had to endure all temptations. He endured all things. So that way, 
you know, when he would be the perfect sacrifice, he could die for all sins. But what I love about how he was a man is because he had feelings, right? We're humans and we're all full of feelings. Um, emotion, and uh, I wrote emotions too, but feelings, you know, he felt sad. He felt happiness. He felt joy. Um, you know, when Lazarus died, it talked about that he wept. So Jesus encountered and experienced human feelings, which yep. helped him relate to us. Um, he had thoughts. Jesus thought had thoughts about things. You know, what I love is a lot of times when he would pull away, like in John, and he'd go pray in the garden, it was just him. And we're reading his prayer and his thoughts. Um, now, he was 100% God, and all of his thoughts were godly. He had thoughts. Uh, he had emotions. Same thing as feelings. He cried. He was happy. He was joyful. Um, he had a good time with his disciples. So, Jesus had emotions. And then the slide, he had intellect. Jesus was super intelligent. You know, he knew the scriptures at a young age. Um, I, I don't think it was an issue for him a lot of the times, though, because he was 100% God, but he had intellect. And then this last one is he could relate to man because he was a human. So here I am in 2020, I'm 23 years old, and I've went through a lot in this life. But what I love is because Jesus it was part human, he can relate to how I live in this life. He sees how things affect me. He sees the bad decisions I've made. He sees the emotions, the sufferings, the joyful times, and Christ can relate to me. Now, we'll talk about why that's so important when we talk about the mediator, the middleman between humans and God, because since he could relate to humans, when he appeals to God on our behalf, he knows exactly, exactly what's going on. It's not like we've got a high priest that can't be touched with the feelings of our infirmity. He knows. He knows where we're at. <laughs> and we're well, Alan, you said the word. <laughs> and I Hunter Hunter is lit up right and now. And I'm wanting to turn him loose, he just don't have time. Yes, no, we don't, don't have time. But he I'll <laughs> save it. Jesus was a high priest that could be approached. And he still can and he's still acting as our representative. So that'll be a little teaser for our next episode. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I'll just say this. Uh Jesus could act as God. But he could be our mediator, he could be our high priest, he could be our sacrifice, he could be our king, he could be everything because he understood humans. Absolutely. And that's the biggest thing about his deity is when he came down to where we are, a common phrase, he came down to where we are in order that we could go where he is going to take us. And I'm telling you, the fact that God Almighty would become a man in flesh to understand me, to take care of me, to be my sacrifice, and to die a painful death. And I think a lot of people think about the pain he endured because it was a Roman crucifixion. But we also have to understand that he bared the sins, all sins. And felt the pain. And felt the pain. And I'm thinking about the physical pain, but think about the torment yeah. that he had to endure because... You know, when he took on the sins, it wasn't just the sins for one person. No. It was on the sins for a lot of people that have lived. And he, I'm, t I'm saying this too. He even, listen, when David and all of them died in faith, he, their sins had to be forgiven as well. For them to be able to enter into the new heaven and the new earth fully redeemed, he had to die for their sins as well. So it wasn't just a forward death or a forward sacrifice. He had everything that had built up to the point he got onto the cross. And so the torment he had to deal with 
on the cross. Why do we think that he cried out? Why do we think that he uh, said those things from the cross? Why, My father, you know, here's my soul. This is what's going on. Because it was a physical pain, but he had to endure a spiritual everlasting pain that you and I don't have to endure if we'll just believe in what he did. And not only was he willing to go through all of that knowing, he volunteered. Yes. He voluntarily done it. Yes. They Absolutely. didn't they didn't they didn't trap him and hogtie him and drag yeah. him. He laid his life down freely. Yes. He volunteered it. Yes. When they t- I'm getting when, I'm getting a little lamped up. How yeah. my arms standing When up? they uh when they took Jesus the night and that Judas Iscariot no Ju- yeah Judas the betrayer would go and get the Jews and say, I know where he is. Come on. And they brought a legion of people, right? He just walks outside and he's just like, let's go. And Peter's like, no. And he cuts someone's ear off and then he just picks the ear up and puts it back on. He's like, it's time. Yeah. My time has come. Yeah, you Fully. by the sword, you're going to die by the sword. And I'm telling you, when they took him uh, you know, away and Peter followed and they beat him and they ridiculed him, yeah. he never fought them. He never fought them. And we also have to understand this, that when Christ died and he rose three days later, we also read in Scripture that some other things took place. Yep. How he would descend. And he even when you read about that he would preach to the souls during Noah's day. Because there's a lot of things and I'm not going to... We don't need to definitely get into that right now because that, that's going to take a lot more preparation. But a lot of that stuff gets into whose theology you side with. Because some Scripture... Well, a lot of scripture doesn't really tell us everything that took place when he descended down. Um, you know, a lot of people use the phrase that he went to hell and conquered it and took the keys. He descended down to where it does tell us that, but there's only so much scripture and we want to keep it scriptural as we possibly can. Maybe one day we can get into a great discussion on that uh, with our pastor because I know he's really studied that up. But he had to do a lot. He had to take on a lot for the sins of the world. And that's what I love is because when he took all that on, he died, he rose again, he appeared to the 500 witnesses, he says, okay, I've got to go back where I'm going, I'm going to prepare a place, and where I'll be, you will be there also. He ascends to the right hand of God. Uh, Here, you know, we're going to talk about this next week. It literally says that he is the high priest at the right hand of God. We'll get into that. But he is where God is. But not only is he there, because of everything he did, in his 33 years of life, his three years of ministry, and his death, he's not sitting up... I mean, he is God in flesh, but he's sitting up there with more. He's sitting up there with an understanding, uh, an intellect, and emo- of what he endured down here and what humans have been through. Because we were talking about this earlier. When you read everything before Christ, it was God sent judgment. When Sodom and Gomorrah, he was not happy, he burned the city down. The flood, a flood of judgment because of what the people did. Now, God did show grace. I mean, Nineveh, he gave them an option, and they're like, well, let's just repent, you know. But what I love is that Jesus introduced the grace period of salvation because it's faith through grace. You know, God did show his grace in the Old Testament when he would forgive or show his favor. But we're in the New Testament that revolves around God's grace through Jesus Christ. And now that Jesus has died on the cross and he has ascended to the right hand of God, as we talked with our pastor earlier, he doesn't just look at us as a sinful people. 
he looks at us and sees an imputed righteousness that comes from his son. I love it how the old timers would say, when he looks at me, he sees me through the blood of Christ. And they they would preach that and cling to that because that's the truth. I'm telling you, it's one of those things that, you know, when God looks at me, you know, here we go. Passover. They're told, it's coming. If you'll take the blood and you'll put it on your door frame, they'll know not to come into your house. You'll be marked. And that's what I'm saying, is when you believe in Christ, you are saved through His blood, and you have that imputed righteousness, there will be a day come when judgment comes, and God will see me, and it's just like that. That, the blood on that door front, he'll see the imputed righteousness on me and he doesn't view me as a sinful human anymore. He sees me as a child of God, a child of Abraham by faith because of what Christ has, he sees Christ. Christ has done. That's exactly and right. That's, Christ has done. And when we get into this next week, how much time, where are we at, Grant? We about out an hour? Over an hour. Okay, that's fine. He said over. (laughs) When we get into this stuff this next week, and we talk about how Jesus is high priest, how he is uh, the sacrifice, how he's the mediator and and the intercessor, I'm just saying we may not be able to make it through all of it because it's just it's powerful. And you can't help but read this stuff and find yourself in a place of, man, I need to get on my knees and cry, holy Holy. I mean, when Isaiah said that in the text, he said, Holy, holy. I saw the Lord seated upon the throne. The song we've seen here, Woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips. When you study out that Christ is the high priest, the sacrifice, the mediator, I can't help but find myself on my face sometimes saying, Holy, holy is the Lord, what Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Isaiah, David, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, all of them realized is that, man, God's going to take care of us and there was one to come. Moses said it. He said, there's going to be a high priest that will raise up. Yep. And I'm sitting here saying, he's already came, but I'm telling you this. He is my intercessor. He is my high priest. He is my sacrifice. But any day now, he's going to come back as my king. And he is going to have the earth at his footstool. And I'm telling you, he's going to cast judgment on people that deserve it. He's going to correct us for where we've been wrong. But not only that, he's going to destroy sin. Fully. I mean, he's already conquered it, but when that day comes and he destroys this earth, he we get new bodies. He shows us the new heaven and the new earth. That will be the king that has been promised to us and everyone of the Old Testament. And he will come back more. He will be with power. It won't be to come uh, with the say. It'll be with the sword. That's what we're told. Yeah, exactly. and, and I'm telling you, this stuff fires me up because when you come to the place as a Christian that you respect and have reverence, for Emmanuel, God with, with us, him. it will change your life. And when we talk about some of the things that Christ is to us, and I understand because I'm 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 a little bit uh, uh, up and down in my sanctification process, you know, and, and I have those down days. But when you find yourself in that position of uh, of being low spiritually, when you reflect on all that Christ is, and all that He has, and all the resources that are available that he's made available unto us, that ought to do something to all of us, Hunter, not just you. It ought to do something to everybody to understand that if I'm in a position of a, a, a spiritual drought, it's not God's fault. All right. He's given me all the resources I need to spiritually excel, yeah. to spiritually thrive. And 
it's hopefully something that's going to come about from this podcast and folks that listen to it. Man, uh, we want you to be in a not in an anemic, uh, uh, you know, relationship where you're weak and you've got all you need to excel spiritually. Absolutely. And hopefully through this, you'll understand that all the conditions, all the things that God went through, the virgin birth, it was essential to make sure that all of this comes about because now there's absolutely no doubt. Man didn't have a thing to do with it. Yeah. It was all God. Yeah. And when that judgment comes, yeah, it's going to be right. And yeah, it's needed. Yeah, and yeah, we'd like to do it sometimes and get our hands involved. Boy, that needs it or this one. You know what I'm saying? But only God's the one that could do that perfect, just, right. true, Absolutely. and hand out the, 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 the right judgment call. And, and I mean, that's why I, he did all this so that one the one text that he said would come would fully come true. He said, all ye that labor on our heavy burden, you're seeking rest. He said, come unto me. My burden's light. My yoke is easy. And I'm telling you, because of everything that Jesus did, the virgin birth, the ministry, the death, the resurrection, the ascension, and one day he's going to come back as a king, I'm telling you, we have sure faith and peace that, man, if he did all that for me, then I'm going to go unto him. I'm going to find rest. I'm going to find peace. And, man, uh, the other place in the text that we're going to read in Hebrews he said, my strength was made perfect yeah. in weakness. And so, I love the Lord. And I, uh, for those of you who listen, if you haven't noticed yet, uh, we get pretty fired up in here. Um, that's not, you know, I'm not going to tell you it's a, a charismatic spirit. or I just get my feelings and my emotions rile up and my passion um, for the Lord. It's like, you know, I heard uh, Stephen Lawson preach a message once called Preaching with Passion. And he talked about that. You know, ministers should have a passion for the message. And I agree with that. But I think Christians should have passion passion for their Lord and Savior. So we're passionate in here, man. Yes, we we are. Hey, we don't hide it. We don't hide it. Unapologetic. Guys, do y'all have anything else you want to say? God bless. Hey, Merry Christmas. I know this is going to come out Christmas Eve, so happy Christmas Eve. We we hope everybody's doing well. Um, Stay safe. And seek the Lord with all your heart and all your strength, mind, soul, as the verse says. So, we love y'all. Peace out. Dramatic <laughs> pause. All right. Well, hey, yeah, that's what Alan, he said. I'm Alan. Alan. <laughs> we'll see you guys later. All right. All right. Hit it, Grant. Thanks, guys. See you.